in the scripture to Psalm 90. Psalm number 90. Again, we're right here at the threshold of a new year. About to close out 2020 and see the arrival of 2021. Uh, obviously, 2020, one of the most memorable years in our life uh, for, for most of the wrong reasons. But again, when a lot of extreme things or big things happen, we remember it, right? It sticks out in our mind. Uh, and we will definitely remember 2020. Again, there's been some great things, you know, that have happened. 2020, Rhett got here. You know, Micah back here, normally he's, he was born in 2020. The, the Lord has uh, continued to bless. And then, of course, there's a lot of tough things that have gone on. Some people dealing with tough things personally. Obviously, we're dealing with some tough things overall, um, just as a people. And thankfully, we are, uh, Lord willing, going to see the end of 2020 and, and it won't see the end of us. Um, and in one respect, the end of a year, you know, the changeover from December 31 to January 1 uh, is not any different from the change from any other day than from today to tomorrow or, you know, a, a Thursday to a Friday. But on the other hand, uh, we'll also feel there, there, there's a little bit of weight to that new year, right? We've assigned some weight to it in our heart and in our mind. I believe God's assigned uh, some weight to it on our behalf. He's given it to us as a special day, uh, a rhythm of our life uh, that a new year would begin as the old one closes out. And I think there's some opportunity there for us to have some focus around it, some purpose uh, in it, uh, just like Advent, just like when we uh, meditate on the coming of Jesus Christ into this world, light into darkness uh, for the four weeks before Christmas. Uh, it is meant for us to get something out of it. So, so New Year's can be the same way. There's a time of remembrance. Uh, there's a special nature to it. And then hopefully uh, we use it and allow it to be helpful to us and, and beneficial now, with the, when you talk about special stuff, whether it's Christmas or whether it's New Year's, whether it's any, any special day or time, you, you see people try really hard uh, in the natural to make something special, right? Whether it's, you know, we, we used to, you see all the people crowding in Times Square on New Year's Eve uh, to, to ring in the new year to, why, as an effort to make it special. And you'll see a lot of that. Uh, you'll see a lot of people uh, posting about the, the special things that they're doing on uh, social media. And, and again, we can try really hard to make something special. But what I've learned is, is if he's not at the center of it, it's still going to be empty. You can't make anything special and lasting if he's not at the center of it. And the reverse of that or the contrast to that is if he is in the center of it and he's the focus of it, then nothing will ever be empty. Even the, even the everyday common things will be special and important if he is at the center of it. Amen. So as I was you know, studying and, and praying, preparing, I was like, Lord, Lord, what do we need to hear as we step into uh, this new year? I had a few uh, scriptures that I had been reading. I was like, okay, Lord, maybe, maybe this direction, maybe we'll go this way. And as I sat down uh, just the other day, I was like, all right, tell me where you want to go. And just right there was, was the answer 
the, the Psalm of Moses. And I had to remember which one that was. I had to look it up. Uh, but it was the Psalm of Moses. And there's only one uh, that, that is attributed to him in the book of Psalms that Moses is, is said to have written. And it's Psalm number 90. And so I prayed over that. I believe received that from God. I want to share it with you today. Uh, again, the only one from him. And if you know the story of Moses, he had a, a just pile of, of deep and varied uh, life experiences. Uh, and so you'll see some of that in here. And uh, we'll see if we can relate to what it is uh, that he's uh, saying or singing here in Psalm 90 as we approach the end of the year. So I'm going to read there starting in verse 1. It says, Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. You return mankind to the dust saying, return descendants of Adam, for in your sight a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by, like a few hours of the night. You end their lives, they sleep. They are like grass that grows in the morning. In the morning it sprouts and grows, by evening it withers and dries up. For we're consumed by your anger, we're terrified by your wrath. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days ebb away under your wrath. We end our years like a sigh. Our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger? Your wrath matches the fear that is due to you. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Let's pray as we receive the word this morning. Father, as we open your word, I thank you that you open our eyes to the wonders of it. Forgive us of our sins. We forgive those who have sinned against us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're able to teach us and train us today individually exactly. Uh, give us exactly what we need uh, for life and for godliness. And we thank you that we can hold the scripture in our hand and receive from you divine revelation in Jesus name. Amen. So you see here, he, he's talking about God. He's talking about man and he's talking about our interactions with God. And then in, in verse 12, and we'll pick up through the end here in a little bit. Uh, he, 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 he prays, he asks a question of God. But he starts out in verse one and two. He says, you've always been our home in every generation. You've been our refuge. God, you're older than the hills, right? You've heard that say before you're older than the hills. You were here before them, even before you gave birth to them. You existed from eternity to eternity. You are God, not you were God, not you became God, but from eternity to eternity. And our mind just boggles that he is big enough to exist in such a way from eternity past what we would know to eternity future. What we would know he has existed and is not worn out by that 
existence. And then in verse three, it shifts to focusing from him to noticing us. It, it talks about how he is infinite, but we are definitely not. It says we're like grass that grows up in the morning and has withered by the evening. And then verse seven comes in seven to 11. We see that the order of life because of sin results in exile. Remember, we talked about that last week, which feels like a lot longer ago than a week. Uh, but we talked about how sin brings exile. And, and you see that, you know, we're, we're consumed by your anger. We're terrified by your wrath. Why? Because you have set our iniquities before you and even our secret sins are in the light of your presence. And so there, there's some of that of well, the, the exile questions. When will we dwell with you rightly? When will we be in our forever home that you have been a refuge for all generations? You have been our home place. When will we dwell with you again? And, and that resonates for us, not just in 2020, but in all of life. We know that there's a separation from, like we talked about last week, where we know we're supposed to be, the home we were fashioned for, we know we are not present there. Uh, we have a bit of it now on the inside of us, the first fruits of our eternal salvation. We have that on the inside, but there's a longing um, to, to, to be with Him, and we see that in uh, our, even in our weaknesses in our short time that we have here. He talks about how God is infinite. He's always been there. He always will be. He said, and then you have us. We, our, our lives end with, with sleep. And even the most that we can get in this world, whether it's 70, 80 or, or more years than that, passes by in a flash. And as I was uh, studying this and reading this, I came across a a quote that I want to read you that just kind of emphasizes this. Um, I hadn't hit my quota of Spurgeon quotes for the year, so I want to make sure I get one in. Uh, or I'm not a good preacher, I don't think. Uh, him, and, you got to quote Spurgeon and C.S. Lewis a bunch, uh, is what they what they tell you on the conference calls. Uh, but he said, in, in thinking along this way, thinking about uh, man's state compared to God's state, he said, "Man is mortal." Conspicuously so, as we walk about our streets, how we miss our old companions one by one. They've returned to the bosom of the earth whence they first sprang. The inhabitants of this world seem to pass in procession before our eyes. Those who were here a few minutes ago are gone past, and another rank has come, and another, and another, and they will soon all be gone, and we shall be gone too." He then who hopes to find a home amongst the sons of men will miss it. But he who makes the eternal God his habitation shall still be at home in the Lord, even when wife and child and brother and friend all sleep in the silence of the sepulcher. And so he's noticing that, too. He's like, as I get older, the people that I knew, the people that I spent time with, they're gone on ahead. I mean, there's fewer people between me and the grave than there used to be. Right. Because folks are getting older and then they go on. He said, we even have people come along behind us. He said, but eventually all of us are going to head down this same road. And if we try to make our forever home here, we're going to completely miss it. But if we make 
make our home the habitation of God Almighty, then we will never, ever miss it. He said, you can lose everybody here. And as long as you get home, you'll have everything that you have need of. And so verse one and two, we see God. Verse three to six, we see ourselves. Seven to 11, we see the contrast and the exile there. We see the weight of our life, which he reminds us is very light. It's passing, it's fleeting. Other places it says we're like a mist in the morning that's gone by midday. We're like a breath, we're like a vapor. It's just passing. But then we see the want of our life. So we have the weight of our life and then we have the wants of our life and we find out real quick that the wants of our life outweigh the weight of it that we can never get out of it what it is that we want out of it and and Moses has has seen that 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 life is weighed and he says what I want out of it I see I can never get out of it and so there's a want there that my life can't provide. So Moses, again, listed as the writer, we know a a lot about him. We know that he was born into persecution, right? His life was threatened with violence at birth. He was supposed to be killed, uh, but he survived and was kept uh, both by his family and by God. And then he was raised in the house of Pharaoh. So he went from a, a threat of immediate death to the highest house in the land and got to experience life at that level. But again, that weight of need on life to see justice and righteousness and things to be walked out like he knew in his heart that it should be. He's like, I'm not seeing that the way my people are being treated is unjust and and not right and it needs to be fixed. And what did he do? He tried to do it on his own and that didn't work out. Only made things worse. And then he ended up in a time of wilderness and isolation for years, just sit, just dealing with this. And then, and, and this is a really quick version of the Moses story, obviously, but I know a lot of you are familiar. He's out in the wilderness He's shepherding and he comes across a bush that is burning, right? The burning bush. He comes across a bush that is burning, which wasn't that weird, right? It's an arid place. You know, things can catch on fire. Stuff like that can happen. But there's a bush that's burning, but wasn't consumed. It was burning, but it wasn't burned up. It was burning, but it wasn't exhausted. And see, everything in his life to that point He had seen everything be used and then be used up. I'm sure in Pharaoh's house, there's all kinds of food that has to be brought in every day because we ate all the food yesterday. Clothes are being replenished. Even with wealth and everything you could imagine, stuff is being used up and spoiled and having to be replaced. Everything in life, wearing out, being used up, wouldn't last, couldn't last. And we know that, right? Stuff doesn't last. If you, everybody got presents for Christmas, anybody look back like three or four years, you could do that on Facebook now with, you know, pictures and videos that you shared years ago. It'll remind you in your memories. You you ever look at any of those videos? I did that this year with some of the stuff that the kids opened four or five years ago. It's like, where's that? I think I threw that in the trash a couple years ago. I remember that one. That one he broke before the end of the day. Like that one was just, everybody has that, right? Like, oh, I got them these presents. At least one present is broken before the end of the day. It's just done. It's like, that's done. 
but you see that it's like something that we're so excited about. It's so neat. Yeah, they're like, yeah. And you know either now that's in their room and they haven't touched it in years or it's in the trash or we gave it away because they weren't using it anymore. We see all these things that we focus on and that we hang such a high value on are so temporary. And Moses is seeing that too, but not this bush. The bush is burning, but it's not consumed. God spoke to him as he's looking at this. And so you associate the two together. God is not able to be consumed. We are. We will wear out. But even when we wear out, even when the hills are brought to flat places, he will not be worn out. And he stands alone in that. And so Moses had, even at the first of his incredible walk that we see through the rest of his life, he has this moment with God. And I believe it stood as a reminder and, and a constraint to him to know that I am in the hands of a God who cannot be used up, worn out or brought to his end. And so he wrote, God is eternal from eternity to eternity. You are God. You are creator. We are temporary. We are weak. And our sin is before you. He said, even our secret sins are brought to light in your presence. And then the passage hinges on this next verse, on verse 12, where we stopped a minute ago. So he's walked us through this. He's like, God is eternal. We are mortal. We are sinners in the hands of a God who is righteous and holy and inexhaustible. And then you get to verse 12. And after he's been singing and stating these facts, you are, we are, here we are. Kind of this is the way it is. There's this turning point, this hinge point in his Song And it can be the same for us. And it's, it's a prayer in verse 12. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Teach us to number our days carefully so that wisdom may develop in our hearts. So when we ask him to teach us something, what are we saying? We don't already have this. We don't know this. If I ask you to teach me something, it means I don't know how to do it. I may have an idea of it, but I don't know how to do it. Teach me. He says, teach us to number our days carefully. He leads us up looking at God, looking at ourselves, and he goes, with all this in mind, with how finite I am and how infinite you are, Teach me, teach us to number our days. You, 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 you know what we need that we don't know what we need. And, and regardless of how long we've been living here on the earth, whenever we get to the end of our time here, it's going to feel like it got here quick. Right? We were talking about what people say on their, on their deathbed. You know, nobody ever says, I wish I'd taken more vacations. Nobody ever said, I wish I'd bought that bigger truck. I wish I'd got that other house instead. You know, what do they say? I wish I'd spent more time with my family. Not I wish I'd worked harder. I wish I'd gotten that promotion. I wish I'd spent more time with my family. And the other thing you hear is like, man, it got here fast. It seems like just yesterday I was a kid in my mom and daddy's house and it's gone by so 
fast. And again, maybe physically we'll be ready. We'll, we'll be maybe mentally we'll be ready. Emotionally we'll be ready. But but still, it's going to have gone by fast. And that's why he's saying, teach us to number our days carefully, to know the value of what we've been given when we hold it in our hand instead of after it's gone. Because again, we aren't God. We aren't like the bush that's burned and not consumed. We're like that candle that after you burn it today, there's a little bit less to burn tomorrow. Right? And we know that. We don't like to think about that. It's not a fun thing to think about. But that's the truth of our life. And that's what he is asking God to remind him of. Teach me the true story of my life, the true story of the world, the story of us. And teach me to recognize the worth of each day that I get. Teach me to number my days carefully, to know that they're not infinite like yours here. They're not infinite here, that every one is one fewer that I have. And why do you ask for that? Not just to have a perspective on it, but you ask for it because you want it to have an impact on what you do next. Why else would you ask for that perspective unless for it to impact what you're going to say, what you're going to do, how you're going to live? You ask for it so that it'll have an impact. It says, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Teach us, oh God, how to think rightly about our life and our condition. And then that teaching, that understanding is going to grow in us what? Wisdom. Remember, Jesus came when he talked to Pilate. He said, it's for this reason that I came into the world. This is the reason I was born, to testify of the truth. And Micah tells us he, he, he is from of old, of ancient days. He's been around since the beginning. John told us that he created everything and everything that was made was made through him. He's seen it all. And Moses is asking and we're asking him to share that truth with us. Teach us to number our days and that teaching will grow in us wisdom and that wisdom will help us assess and locate ourselves where we are in the story of our life so that it guides us through the rest of it rightly. So when we say teach me to number my days, it's not just so tell me when I'm going to die so that I can live it up between now and then I'm going to get five credit cards before just no right. We don't know. I'm going to do that. That's not why he's asking this. He's saying, open my eyes to where I am, where I am in the story of your world, where I am in the story of my life. Open my eyes to where I am right now. Help me see where I'm going. And then show me what I should do and shouldn't do to proceed rightly. Right. These are big questions. These aren't questions that we get to ask all the time because our brain can't handle it. Right. We stay down in the day to day and in the details. But this time of year, these special days are a great opportunity for us to pick our head up and say, OK, God, let's talk about where I am right now. And let's look based on what I'm where I am right now, what I'm doing today. If I continue on this trajectory, where will I be at the end of next year? Where is this taking me? Year in's a great time to do that. It's a good time to ask big questions. Where, where am I in my relationship with God? Where am I right now today? What am I doing? 
today? And where is that going to cause me to end up at the end of this next year? Am I going to be closer to him at the end of next year based on what I'm doing right now? Or am I going to be further away? Big questions. Where am I in my relationship with others? He's going to deal with you about that as you ask him. God, with my wife, with my kids, with this person at work that I've been praying for, where am I in that relationship? Is what I'm doing what I should be doing to come to the expected end, the good and right end that you've put on my heart for that relationship? Is what I'm doing right now going to get there? And it's a time of year when we, when we should put stuff on the table. God, is this good for my life? Should I continue doing this? Should I carry this from 2020 into 2021? Now, obviously, there are, you don't get to put everything on the table. I don't get to go, now, God, this kid's being hard to raise. Should I take him into next year or should I take him to the fire station? Right? We don't get to put everything on the table, but we can't on the things that we're not putting up there. God, I know I've got this. These are things I know I'm taking into next year. How can I love him better? How can I serve him better? How can I teach and train him better so that he's further along next year than he is this year? And not just because he's gotten older, because you can raise a young man or a young woman into adulthood and they get there by age, but they're not there by maturity. Right. You see that out all the time. It's like, well, you look grown. You're bigger than me, but you're acting like a child. So what am I doing with the time that I have to invest in those around me? Where am I in my relationship with him? Where am I in my relationship with others? And what am I doing right now with my time, with my energy, with the resources and the capital that he has given me graciously? What am I doing with it? Again, it's a time to put things on the table. What am I carrying into 2021? What do I need to leave behind? And some of it's what do I need to pick up before I walk into there? I haven't been doing this this year. I want to carry this in to next year. And here's the conundrum, the problem for a preacher when you talk about things like this is every one of you are going to land in a different place on that. When you ask those big questions, everybody's landing in a different spot, right? Some are going to need drastic changes, some are going to need just fine tuning this year. Well, maybe just move this from here to here. Some of us, we got things we need to move from way over there to way over here. Some of you are going to be ready to move into some deeper things this year, to dive off into some deep water in, in the spirit with him, in your relationship with him. And there's others of us that are just like, I feel like I'm drowning where I'm at. I'm having trouble keeping my head above water where I am. And so there's a diversity there that, that's mind boggling for me. But I know that he's able to handle all of us. We just have to take it to him. Ask him, teach me so that wisdom may develop in my heart. Show me where I am so that I can see better from you where I'm going. Because he has the answer for all of us. As a Christian, one thing we need to ask or a question for all of us is what is my plan to grow in my relationship with him this year? Because if you're here and you're a Christian, you're like, there's nothing more important in my life than Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for him, I'd be lost and dying and on my way to hell. So obviously we want that relationship to grow more 
This year, when I, yeah, I feel like I'm good. I can just put a pin in that for another few years until I get older and then I'll just cram for the test at the end. Right? No, we believe that he is our portion, that he is what we need. So what is my plan to grow my relationship with him this year? Because we need one, right? We need one. If I don't have a a plan to grow my relationship with my wife, it's not going to grow. I can't make it grow. I can't say, well, I'm doing these things, so our relationship has to grow, but I can cease from activity and I can cause it to decline. I can cause it not to grow, or I can invest the time and energy into making sure that I am taking this relationship to the next level. That's what we want to do with him, right? So maybe you start with the question, is what I'm doing this year working for me? Is it working? If it's not, it's okay. It's just time to change it. It's just time to adjust it. How did it work this year? Again, teach me to number my days so that I grow in wisdom. How am I going to pursue him in the scripture scripture this year? When am I going to read it? When am I going to hear it read? When am I going to hear it preached? What's my plan to grow in the scripture this year? What, what's my plan to pursue him in prayer this year? What's my plan to, to serve him this year? What's my plan to worship him this year? What is my plan to be a giver this year, to be generous this year? All these avenues of grace that he's given us to run after him on, what am I going to do? What's my plan? Because we've heard the saying, right? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I've learned that you don't just, and I read this as a quote, I don't remember who said it. No one drifts towards holiness. No one drifts towards righteousness. No one drifts towards being more disciplined, right? Nobody just accidentally gets in better shape. You just don't. It doesn't happen. And wanting isn't enough. Well, I want to get in better shape this year. If you don't do anything, it's not going to happen, right? It's a good want, it's a good desire, but the desire isn't enough to bring about the end result. It's the same thing in your relationship with him. I want a better relationship with God. What are you going to do to pursue that? Nothing different. (laughs) I'm going to just keep on doing what I've been doing. Same old saying. You're going to keep getting what you've been getting. So, So what is my plan? And again, that's that's diverse for all of us. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you this is what you have to do specifically, but I'm going to tell you generally, these are things you need to have a plan for. How are you going to grow in your relationship with him this year through the different avenues that he has given us? And again, how'd this year go? Was it good? Was it bad? Was it just ho-hum? We can start from there. If it was good, what do I want to do to make sure I continue on that path. If it was bad, what can I change? If it was just ho-hum, what can I do to stir up a passion on the inside of me for the things of God? And, and there's two lies that we can tell ourselves when we're talking about these, when we're asking big questions that we try to use to get ourselves out of the conversation. One is, um, I can't control anything. 
Oh, I don't really have control over that. It was a bad year, but I didn't really have control over anything. And so it was bad and it'll probably be bad again next year. And it, you may be dealing with something that's going to carry over, but the lie that you can control nothing in the situation, it's a, it is just that. It's a lie. You have control, at least over certain things, control what you can control. Now, the other lie that some of us will, will tell ourselves is to make it where it has to be, I have to be able to control everything. And if I can't control everything, then I'm just going to throw my hands up and I'm just going to see where the wind blows me. Right. We want to be in control. But if I can't control it all, you're telling me I can't control this and I can't control this. I'm just, whoa, stresses me out. So I'm just going to let it go. We need to not fall into either one of those traps. We need to go to him. Teach me. Give me perspective so that it'll make me wiser and it'll have an impact on my life. And then we ask ourselves, what are we going to do? And in this, we have to make sure that we're not trying to be him, right? He's infinite. He's eternal. We can't try to be like him in those things. We can't carry things that are too heavy for us to carry. Because if we do, if we try to do that, shame's going to come because I wasn't able to do it. Guilt's going to come because I made a commitment that I couldn't follow through on because I was trying to be like him and acting like I had infinite time. And really, I didn't. And so I'm falling short. And then there's a pressure to come through on things that you can't control. And so in that, there is some good news. And I shared this last year. It's good news. You don't have to be perfect by the end of this next year. We're about to get 365 days. January 1 to December 31 of 2021. And Lord willing, if you make it to the end of next year, you don't have to be perfect when you get there. Because <sighs> you can't be. You can't get there again unless you go home. You go home. Hey. But you're not going to reach perfection by the end of the year. The question is, are you taking steps the right direction? As we move through this next year, what direction are we heading and we control what we can control? You know, I don't know if you remember, I had a pretty big revelation uh, this last year as I was driving, thinking on some things. Holy Spirit just said to me, you always have 15 minutes. You can always spare 15 minutes, even if you're busy, even if there's a lot going on, you've got 15 minutes. And you can do so much with that if you invest purpose and thought in it. And you're not so wrapped up in everything going on that you can't say, hey, I got 15 minutes for you. You obviously need to you, you obviously need to talk to somebody. Hey, I, I'm going to spend 15 minutes in prayer. You know, you, we, we feel like we have to make these 24 hour prayer commitments to God. He knows we have to sleep. He knows we have family. He, he knows we have to rest. 15 minutes can move a lot of dirt. Amen. So verse 12, again, is the hinge here. And as we close, I want to walk you through the rest of it. I believe it's going to be an encouragement to you as, as we end this year. Let's reread verse 12 and then we'll, we'll push on through the rest. So again, it's our hinge. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. It's his prayer. It's a shift in this psalm, and I believe it'll be a shift for us in our life if we ask him for it. Verse 13, Lord, how long? How long? How long am I going to be dealing with this? How long am I going to be having this issue? How long? Turn 
and have compassion on your servants. It's the question, God, does it always have to be like this? Where is my hope? It's okay to ask him questions like that. And then verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love so that we may shout with joy and be glad all of our days. Now you see that compared to verse 9 and 10 up a little bit. 9 and 10 was our days ebb away under your wrath. We end our years like a sigh. 70 years or 80 years at best if we're strong. Even the best of them are in struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. But 14, we see you satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love so that we may shout with joy and be glad all our days. Look at verse 15. Make us rejoice for as many days as you've humbled us. For as many years as we have seen adversity. What a prayer leaving out of this year, right? God, for all the groanings, re replace them with joy. For the days that I had to walk under the humility of the crushing of knowing that I'm not enough, I thank you that it's going to be replaced with glory. Make us rejoice for as many days as you've humbled us. For as many years as we have seen adversity. God, I know that you are able. I know that it's ahead. And then verse 16, let your work be seen by your servants and your splendor by their children. Now, what's his work? His work is to take us from verses 7 to 11 to live in a life in verses 13 through 17. That's his work in Jesus Christ. To take us from my sins are before you. I stand under your judgment. Your wrath is upon me. His work is when he moves us from that to verse 13 on in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Let your work be seen by your servants. I like this one too. And your splendor by their children. So that this is going to carry on to the next generation. God, let our babies see that you're faithful in our life so that they know you'll be faithful in theirs. So that they may say, hey, he had a, he, he, that was a tough year, but you know what? He held on through all of it. He, he didn't run off. He stood in place and he did what a man of God is supposed to do. She didn't let go of the rope. She had a hard time, but she held on. God held her as she held him and we made it through. Daddy trusted God. Mama trusted God. I can trust God too. He said, let the children see your splendor. Why? So that they'll have something to hold on to as they get older. God, let the baby see it. Verse 17 let the favor of the Lord our God be on us. And we know that's a grace, right? His grace is his what? His unmerited favor on our life. The favor of God that we didn't deserve, that we couldn't earn, but we can walk in it anyway. Let the favor of the Lord God be on us. Establish for us the work of our hands. Establish the work of of our hands, everything that we're asking him to help us in this year. God, when I put my hands to this, when, when I build this in your name, let it stand up. Don't let it fall to the ground. Don't let it be because I did something wrong. God, bless the work of my hands. Bless it up before I can mess it up. 
I'm going to be in here. God, bless my time in the word with you. Bless my time in prayer with you. Bless my time of service with you so that I get out of it what I need and then I can be for somebody else what they need me to be. Because what you're going to have, you're going to have to spend time with him to have what you need and to have enough to give away. Because there's going to be people that you're connected to that don't know how to pursue him yet. They may even be in Christ, but they don't know how to get what they need from him. So they're going to look to you first. You're receiving from him. They're going to receive from you until you teach them how to receive from him. And then somebody's going to be connected to them. That's the way that this works. That's how we all got here was somebody we connected to them first and then they connected us to Jesus. They took us to said, hey, this really hadn't got anything to do with me. This is about him. Let me take you to him. Everything good and everything you like about me, it comes from him. Let me take you to him. God, teach us who you are, who we are, and the hope that we have in you. Why? Because it develops in our heart into wisdom. All right, we're almost done. As we go into the end of this year, pray these big question prayers. God, what do you have for me in 2021? God, what am I going to need from you to make it through this year where I don't shame myself and I don't shame you? I need you and show me what I need to do. Help me plan. Ask him. Don't just try to figure it out on your own. God, I, I, I need a plan for how I'm going to interact with Scripture this year. I want to pursue you in that. I want to wherever wherever you are, if you haven't even cracked it open or you read it for hours a day, your question is the same. What's my plan to engage with you in Holy Scripture this year? Help me plan, God. And then when I put my hands to it in your name, bless it. Establish the work of my hands. I know I won't be perfect in 2021, but I know you will be. And I know you're there for me. Lord, that the days of joy would surpass the days of humility. The weakness that I felt this year, the uncertainty that I felt this year, I thank you that it has... You are turning it into strength and endurance that I can carry into next year. I pray that your work will be seen both in my life and that your splendor, your glory, your goodness will be evident even to the little ones that are around. God, let your favor be upon us and establish the work of our hands. He said it twice, establish the work of our hands. And what, and what we plan to do here, we're going to keep getting after him. I mean, with purpose, with desire, with passion, we're going to keep getting after him, trusting him, loving one another, building one another up and reaching out. Why? Because there's others that are outside that still need to get here. They're outside. They're not connected to him or to his body, and they need to be connected. Many all need hope. Some have realized how much they need it. And we know we can only find it one place. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? I told myself, I was like, I'm going to go shorter today.
Everybody's going to be Christmas that may be, but as I kept listening, he kept he kept speaking. And so I hope that it encourages you. And again, that these big question moments don't stress you out. Because depending on your personality, it can, right? You can feel like, oh man, if I'm going to tell God I'm going to do something, I really got to be perfect in it. When we're, we haven't been perfect in anything else that we've told him we're going to do. And he knows us, our end from our beginning. And so as we're praying and understand that his favor is upon you, his grace is upon you. He knows you. He knows all your shortcomings. He knows all your past failures and he still loves you anyway. And he's in this with you to help you grow this year, regardless of what happens, regardless of what goes on in our in our world, in society, in our community, regardless of what goes on. He is the constant and he'll be there for us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're going to be asking those big question prayers this week. Where are we in our relationship with you? Show us so that wisdom can come. Lord, show us our direction, where we're headed. Remind us where we want to end up and then help us evaluate what we're doing right now. Is that going to take us in the direction that we want to go in you? How are we going to grow our relationship with you this year? How are we going to grow in faith, our relationships with others this year? What would you have us spend our time and our energy, the capital that you've given us, what would you have us spend it on? And I thank you, Lord, that you aren't going to be without answer. I pray that you make it clear. I pray that you confirm it, even in the mouths of more than one witness, that you confirm the word and the direction so that we can take it firmly in our hand with confidence, knowing that we're, we, we have heard from you and we're pursuing you rightly this year. I thank you, Lord, that it is... It is free from pressure, but it is not without passion that we'll do it passionately because we love you and we want to know you more. I thank you that as we as a body here at Believer's Church, as we commit to you our time and our energy this year, that you will establish the work of our hands, that your favor will be upon us. Your splendor will be seen by the little ones. God, that you will establish the work of our hands. If we tried to build it on our own, it would fall to the ground. But if you build the house, Lord, then we do not labor in vain. I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you that you welcome us to ask big questions. I thank you for special days, for times of perspective. And I pray that we wouldn't miss out on what you have for us in it, but that we'll grow through it in Jesus' name. Lord, as we get ready to go today, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity together with one another. Lord, I thank you that you're close to those who are separated from us this morning by, by distance or by situation. I thank you that you aren't separated from them. Lord, we love them. Help us serve them better. And I thank you that the spirit on the inside of them will give them strength today. That you lead us and guide us and direct us in the way that we should go. God, protect us. Keep us safe. And I thank you that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I thank you that we get to be a part of that. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name.